You want to go to a church with good preaching. However, many times Christians have no idea what good preaching even is, what it looks like. Well, let's talk about that. This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Williams. Good preaching has a couple things to it. This is by no means an exhaustive list or everything I could possibly say, but these are some good things to keep in mind. If you're a Christian, you often have some buzzwords that you use when it comes to a church. I think I think we all have them. I know I do. You want a church that, you know, preaches the gospel. Yeah. You want a church that gives you some meat, right? Not just milk. The milk is for babies and all that. You want a church that preaches the word, amen, and hallelujah. That's your kind of thing. Other people are more, you know, a little more uh, low-key about this stuff. But anyways, you want, some people want loud, soft, uh, some people want more academic, some people want more simple, whatever it might be. We all have those things that we look for. When it comes to preaching, though, what what does this look like? What does good preaching look like? Well, first, I would say good preaching involves the whole Bible. It's so easy to stay in the Gospels with Jesus or the Epistles with Paul, those, those letters. You know, sometimes if you're feeling down or, or, or something like that, you might throw in some Psalms. If you want some like clear-cut instruction, you'll, you'll, you'll read some Proverbs. There's encouragement, and voila, you have quite a few sermons that will last you a long time. And a lot of people don't see an issue with that. Yeah, give me some Jesus. I I like that guy. But a good preacher does not shy away from the major or minor prophets, for example. A good preacher can use the Song of Solomon in in a couple different ways as love between a husband and a wife and between God and his people. A good preacher will touch on the apocalyptic writings like Revelation, different parts of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one wild book, by the way. If you want to read some of the stuff in it, it it gets pretty wild. And it's interesting. Sometimes it's tough to understand, but I would say it's interesting. Good preaching involves the whole bible not just the parts that are easy or or the the stuff we like right good preaching also involves all of the human emotions even the unpleasant ones some churches just want to comfort and encourage and so they talk about you know how god is always here for us He has a plan for us. God forgives us and loves us. All those things are true. See, that's the thing. It's effective in part because it's true. But if that's all your church preaches, you're going to have a shallow faith. There's not going to be much to it because in your mind, the church, the Bible, God, they only exist for you and your needs. And that's selfish. And I'm going to talk more about this next week when I go over bad preaching and how to identify it. But I just think there's a lot of church people, and sometimes this is me, but we're selfish. We want to feel good after a sermon. We want to 
we want to be entertained and and we treat the church like a a permanent therapy session and we treat the church like oh man it, it revolves around me and that's not good but for now I'm simply going to move along and say that good preaching involves the unpleasant emotions and realities too. Good preaching will talk about God's wrath. It'll touch on the hot button top topics of today from a biblical position, such as abortion and homosexuality. It'll talk about conviction and repentance, of a life of patience and sometimes frustration. It'll talk about God being silent and life just plain, I mean, just being real. Life's going to suck sometimes. Life gets messy and the heart is so sinful. You and I, I mean, let's just face it. There's a lot of ugliness inside of us. And good preaching dives into all of that. And not just the stuff that gives us the warm fuzzies, right? It's not, we're not going to leave every sermon being like, wow, I'm just the hottest thing since, I guess, hot things. I don't know, warm bread. Okay, that's a bad example. I don't, I don't, I don't think I should have gone with that one. But whatever, hot butter knife. I don't know. Good preaching balances explaining, illustrating, and applying. Now, okay, for some of y'all, you're like, uh-oh, this is getting technical. I don't like this. Um, let me just walk through and see if uh, we can follow a little better. I get this from uh, Dr. Brian Chappell's book, uh, Christ-Centered Preaching, and it's a classic, and I'm going to dive into what that means. Uh, first off, a, a good preaching, a good expository sermon starts with explaining, you take the text and you want to read it appropriately. You kind of want to know what's going on. You want to know the setting, the audience, kind of just background information, right? And then as you read the passage, you kind of go over in, in a good amount of depth at times just what it means. You uh, talk about the author and what's going on. And then after the Bible is explained, whatever passage you're preaching from is explained, you have to decide, okay, what truth am I going to focus on that comes from this passage, right? So uh, so now, after explaining, you go to illustration. You draw out a biblical truth and you illustrate it. You might use a story, a joke, an analogy. And what illustration does is it, it takes the truth that you want to focus on and it brings it to life. So the illustration is a bridge from the text of the ancient days, and you're trying to bring it to modern day life. So uh, you want to paint a picture so that people can say, oh, okay, this is what you mean. This is what the text is talking about. And so you're focused on the truth of, of, what's, uh, of what's in the passage. And then finally, after your explanation... After your illustration, then there's the application. And so uh, what's the application? Now that you're to the truth of the passage, whatever the, the pastor decided to focus on, now how do we apply that truth? What does that mean for us this week? And so maybe it's something practical. You know, be patient. 
go take out the garbage. I don't know. Uh, sometimes it has to do with our heart. We have to change our attitude, the, w- the way we look at things. But uh, application focuses on how we think, act, speak, and feel. It's, it's very uh, practical. And so that's an example of, of what he's talking about. Uh, Brian Chapel, his book, Christ-Centered Preaching, a good sermon will contain these elements. It'll talk about the text, God's word. It'll talk about the truths that you want to focus on from that text. And then finally, how to apply these truths in our everyday life. Explanation, illustration, application. So uh, I'll, I'll give an example. If a preacher is preaching on, let's say, Genesis and the story of Joseph, um, you start off with explaining, right? So you'll, you might talk about kind of what's happened up to that point, you know, uh, kind of background information. You might talk a little bit about Moses. A, a lot of uh, more conservative scholars believe Moses wrote uh, Genesis. You might talk a little bit about, you know, God's plan for, for Israel, the, the Hebrews. Um, you, so you might go into some of that. And then Joseph, you know, himself, he, he was a brother. Uh, he had lots of brothers. Uh, he was kind of prideful and arrogant. Um, he suffered a whole lot in prison, and then finally he rose to be the second most important person in Egypt. And so you kind of explain that story, right? And then uh, after that, you move on to the, illus- uh, the illustration. So you pick a truth or a couple from that story of Joseph, maybe God's uh, sovereignty. That's a big one. God was taking care of Joseph. Um, you might talk about, uh, what's, what's another truth? The, the value of being patient, how God was patient with Joseph, how Joseph patiently obeyed God in Egypt and he was faithful and he had a good character. And you might focus on those truths and, and why they're important, right? You might tell a story, you might tell a joke, but, but you're moving from explanation to illustration. You're trying to bring the story to life, right? And then finally... You'll go to application. So there's lots of application in the story of Joseph. You can talk about, you know, how God remembers us, how God keeps his promises, how God never leaves us. And so that might be some encouragement for us. You might want to talk about the the need for character because Joseph uh, actually rejects the advances of Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him, and he says no. So Joseph had character. You might want to talk about the need to be obedient and holy even when you're suffering. Uh, Joseph did that when he was put in prison. All of those things. And so you'll talk about application, right? So good preaching will do those three things. And you need all three. If you don't have explanation and you just dive into, you know, oh, hey, uh, do this and do that, well, it becomes legalism. Just do this, just because I said so. Um, it might uh, become a little selfish. You'll be like, oh, you know, the sermon's all about me and, and what I need to do and how I can feel better. If there's no illustration, you might lose people. You'll, you'll be talking about the text one moment. And then the next moment, you might say, yeah, so go out and be patient. And you'll 
and if there's no bridge there between the text and the application, uh, you might get lost. Be like, okay, why? What what truth are we even talking about? So that's why you need illustration. And then finally, if there's no application, sometimes we get lost. We'll talk about, you know, the goodness of God. We'll talk about how Joseph just had such great character. Okay, I'll see you next week. And you'll be like, well, what was in it? Like, not what was in it for me, because that's a selfish way of, of phrasing it, but what, what do I do with this? How, how do I live? You know, and so you need application to keep things practical. We want to be transformed in the way that we live to be more godly, right? But um, anyway, so that's, that's a good mark of a, of a healthy, whole sermon, right? Explanation, illustration, and then application, and then finally, the last thing I'll cover in this episode is the exact title of Brian Chappell's book, Christ-Centered Preaching. Good preaching is Christ-centered and always brings you back to the character and work of God himself. All good preaching leads you back to God. All good preaching is God-focused. So at the end of the sermon, you need to be able to answer some of these questions I'm going to I'm going to throw at you. Where's the gospel? Where is our sin and God's goodness? Where is God's character, who he is, his nature, his very being? Where's the trinity? These are all good questions to ask because a good sermon will will answer them in some way. Maybe not every question you might have, but uh, it'll definitely be God focused. Well, anyways, that's all I had for today in this particular episode. So uh, next week, I'm going to talk about bad preaching or at best, maybe incomplete preaching that leaves you kind of empty. So we're now going to move on to our devotional for today. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 17. And oh, I lost it in my notes. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 17 through 29. All right, so uh, you can follow along with me if you have a Bible. If not, you can listen, and then we'll talk about it. The words of Paul. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. 
and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow, that was a, a fair bit of reading, and but it's a lot of good stuff. And so let's talk about it for a few moments. I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but with every letter of Paul, there often is a turn. The letter is built on theology first, and it talks about, you know, uh, various aspects of the gospel and God's character, everything that God's done for us. But then eventually, towards the end of the letter, there's a turn where Paul gets to the application part. All right, if all these things are true, this is how you apply them. And so this is part of that turn here in chapter 4. And so we read about how, you know, we used to live a certain way before we were Christians. Our thinking was uh, futile or futile. I don't know how to pronounce that one. But uh, anyways, it was empty and it was ignorant. Our hearts were hardened, right? And so we we did all these sensual things to, to indulge ourselves. There was lots of sin. But then when we were... Uh, when we were brought to life by Jesus Christ spiritually, we had to put off our old self. And now there are new expectations, new attitudes, new life. And we were created, verse 24, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, right? And so uh, we're new creatures. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to struggle with a lot of sin, There's going to be sadness, depression, anger, lust, all those things. We're still going to fight some of our old battles. But now God is transforming us. We have victory. And God is slowly changing us to be more like him. And so uh, there are just some things that people shouldn't be able to say of us as Christians. So one, uh, uh, two I'll talk about, anger and the way we talk. It's not that we'll never get angry, right? That's not even human. That's not possible. However, we have to be careful how long we are angry for and what we do while we're angry. You know, we have, we have to make sure that if we get angry, it's for the right reasons and uh, it doesn't last forever. We're supposed to eventually uh, let that emotion, let that feeling go uh, as is healthy, you know, because sometimes anger is a good thing. But let's make sure not to hold on to it too long and not to do sinful things with it. Uh, verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. And so it's not that we should never be angry, but let's be careful, right? And then the other one we'll talk about, uh, the other uh, feature of being a Christian, or at least it should be a feature, is that uh, we need to be careful with the way that we talk. 
uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, right? That's verse 29. But only what is helpful for building others up. And so something to think about is as we go out this week, uh, and uh, I guess into the weekend really, uh, we need to make sure that when we speak, we're encouraging, we build up. And it's not that you won't ever criticize someone, but even when we uh, criticize people, it needs to be f- uh, from a good heart. We want to build people up in, in love and in truth, right? And so those are just a few things I wanted to focus on with uh, this part of the part of Ephesians. So I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, sign off. Father, thank you for making us new. Help us to put off our old self. Help us to keep being transformed by your Holy Spirit. God, we're so thankful. We're so blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope y'all go into the weekend encouraged. I hope this was helpful. But anyways, uh, I guess I'll sign off now. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.